0: Good
1: afternoon and welcome. The Ontario legislature will finally be going back to work after a five-month break. It's no secret. The reason for that was a bid to stay out of the headlines during the federal election campaign, though that did not stop Justin Trudeau from constantly invoking Premier Doug Ford and his government as the main target. Now, judging by the results of Monday's vote, at least here in the GTA, that strategy worked. So what are the Ford government's priorities coming up and how do they intend to win back some voters who gave them a huge majority but may have soured after some, after some early missteps? Want to hear from you? 416-360-0740. Toll free one 740 4740 And now I'm joined by Paul Calandra, Conservative MPP for Markham Stouffville and the government house leader. Welcome and thank you so much for joining us.
2: Us. Hi, Libby. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Okay. So, uh, your government seemed to be the main bogeyman during the election campaign, the federal election campaign. How does that inform your priorities for the coming session?
2: Uh, look, uh, we obviously knew that uh, the, the federal campaign was going to be a, a very passionately fought uh, campaign. I think we expected that, and it was part of the reason why we uh, uh, made the decision to do as much as we possibly could to. Stay out of uh, out of that. Uh, the premier uh, had said to us, "Look, we're we're probably facing a, a minority parliament. And we're going to have to be able to work with uh, not only one but all of the parties uh, if it is a minority." And uh, in retrospect, uh, he's now proven uh, correct. Uh, we we we're just going to move forward. Obviously, we have uh, uh, an agenda that. Uh, Continues us on the path of uh, of creating jobs and opportunity for the people of Ontario. We have some really big projects, some exciting stuff coming forward. Obviously, with respect to transit and transportation uh, uh, in the, in the GTA. So I'm actually looking forward to it. I think we have uh, a, a good not only a, a fall session ahead of us, but uh, the, the the winter and spring session are going to be equally as busy.
1: Did did. That fact inform your priorities at all? I mean, after all, if you're looking certainly at the GTA, it's it's a sea of liberal red. And did did you think maybe uh, there are some things and some ways where you should be changing course a little bit?
2: No, look, I, look, I was Libby. Uh, as you probably know, I was a federal member of Parliament uh, uh, for a while under the, the Stephen Harper government, and my. Uh, uh, I always faced a a liberal uh, a government here in the province of Ontario. It's it's more about working together and finding ways to uh, uh to work together. We have an agenda that we want to to bring uh, to bring forward and the issues are so different federally uh and provincially and uh, and we appreciate look uh, the the people of Ontario made a decision on those federal issues that were important to them but for our part to uh, uh, it doesn't change what we want to do. We want to continue to focus on jobs and economic growth, and on the, the premier's signature policies with respect to transit and transportation, not only in the GTA but roads and infrastructure in other parts of, of the province, so that we can continue to to, uh, to keep the economy moving and continue the, the the good, steady progress that we've seen in in, in job creation. But uh, look, I'll say this: we absolutely, positively uh, uh, are, are committed to working with uh, uh, with the federal government, with this minority parliament, to uh, uh to to help them make it work because we 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 truly understand that uh, you you uh the only way you build a prosperous Ontario is through a uh, uh, through a prosperous Canada. So uh, we're going to do that for the people of Ontario, and uh, looking forward to what we can accomplish.
1: Now, the the first thing that seems to have uh, come up in a big way, though, is the carbon tax and and the fight of uh, some of the conservative provincial premiers against the carbon tax. So we have uh, a, a Blaine Higgs saying he's going to give that up because he took a message from the voters. Um, y- you. The province has already lost once in court, and, but seems to be committed to spending another $30 million bucks on that. It, and, and the opposition is already screaming, not surprisingly, saying, well, gee, that's not a good way to establish a good working relationship.
2: So I, I, I think the, uh, the, uh, the federal government has always known that, uh, or the Trudeau government has always known that this is something that we were very, very passionate about. Uh, uh, look, the people of Ontario pay a hefty price. Uh, for the progress that we have made towards meeting our Paris uh, uh, Accord targets. And we're, we're, we, we pay that price through the, the Fair Hydro plan. We pay that price through investments that we make in our nuclear fleet in, in, uh, uh, in terms of uh, our uh, green energy projects. But we've made that decision here in the province of Ontario for many, many years, starting with Mike Harris through uh, through Dalton McGuinty and Kathleen Wynne and and Dernie Eves. We've made that commitment to a cleaner environment. We're going to continue to make that commitment and meet our targets without a carbon tax, with so many other things that uh, are now facing us in terms of, uh, of, of challenges, potential challenges to our economy, adding something else to it uh, is just not something that we we believe in. So we are going to take the next step. We want to get the interpretation of the court, but it doesn't in any way lessen uh, our commitment to meeting those targets because we understand how how, Im, how important it is. Uh, but look, when you know we pay four billion dollars a year, Libby, uh, on uh, fair hydro, and that is to subsidize the the green energy uh, uh, policies of the previous government. Now I'm not I don't want to be critical of that because that's helping us meet our, our targets. Uh, but we do pay already a significant price. Uh, uh to meet those targets and we just don't think a carbon tax on top of the price we're already paying each and every year for the next 25 years is 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 fair to the people of uh, Ontario.
1: Uh, speaking of hydro bills, so during the election campaign you promised to cut hydro bills by an average of $173 but instead there's going to be a small increase, it looks like 24 bucks a year. Still, that's uh, there's a discrepancy to that.
2: Yeah, there there's still a lot of work to be done on on that. I think uh, uh we we completed some consultations uh, before I was moved over to the uh, government house leaders uh uh, uh, portfolio. We completed a number of industrial uh, consultations with industrial ratepayers across the province. We have to make sure that we we maintain uh, affordable le- electricity in that sector because that's what helps drive the economy and, and build jobs. But we also did say, of course, we want to bring down hydro bills. It's still uh, it, it is still very expensive, even with uh, the progress that. Uh, uh, that we've made on, on eliminating some of the more expensive contracts. We we have made that commitment. We will meet that goal. The minister is uh, continuing to uh, to consult and to find ways of doing it. It'll take uh, a lot of work, given the fact that there are a lot of contracts that are already in place. But you're right. That is a priority of ours going forward, and we have, as I said, another two and a half years to get there. Uh, and that will form uh, part of what is going to be a, a very busy uh uh, so was that
1: year? a stretch goal? Uh,
2: no, it, it can't be, Libby. It, it, it really can't be. Uh, we still, I, I, honestly, we still hear it. I still hear it when I'm out and about uh, from, from, uh, from homeowners. They still say, look, it's, uh, it's something that you have to deal with. You hear from small, medium, and large job creators. Uh, 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 it's something that we have to deal with. When uh, our ministers travel to other jurisdictions to try and bring jobs to Ontario, we hear about it. Part of it is we've made a decision to uh, that cost us when in terms of of, of uh, meeting uh, our climate to change uh, uh, agreements, but and, and and the people of Ontario accept that. But part of it is is poor decisions uh, that uh, that governments have made. So we have to do it. We will do it. And we're finding ways of doing it that won't then impact uh, our fiscal situation or that doesn't leave a lasting legacy of debt on uh, on the ratepayers and on taxpayers. Now,
1: when it comes to Whichever sector or legislation, the opposition keeps saying we're fighting the Ford government's cuts and the Ford government keeps saying, actually, we're spending more money than the last government. It's not a cut, might not be an increase uh, to the rate of inflation. So... How are you going to square that circle? I mean, in terms of education, uh, we've heard those arguments on both sides. Uh, you just uh, announced yesterday some plans for efficiencies in the way government is run, bulk ordering and all of that. Are there going to be job cuts related to that as well?
2: Look, it, uh, no, we've uh, the, the premier was, was clear on that, but but look, there are certain segment, sectors of, uh, of, uh, of of the economy and in, in certain areas where the government supports that we are going to have to make additional investments. Education was one of them. Long term care is another one. We we simply can't meet the goals of, of building fifteen thousand new long term care beds without borrowing money to make those investments. Uh, the increased investments in in education, uh, uh, we've said. All along that, we were going to have to make some, uh, some, some additional investments. Healthcare uh, is another uh, avenue where we're going to have to make those investments. But that's why we're balancing the budget. I know a lot of people have said, you know, can you, could you have balanced the budget earlier? Yeah, we probably could have. Uh, but we wanted to balance how we did that in terms of growing the economy. Uh, and we've seen job creation going and really doing very, very well. Uh, and starting to tackle waste and duplication within within government with our partners at the municipal level and with school boards so we 've have we 've been working with them so we will meet we will meet those targets some areas will there be reductions in in government expenditures absolutely, but in priority areas uh, uh, as we campaign on whether it 's health long term care and education uh look the reality is uh, we just have to make investments in those in those areas. If we're going to uh, continue to meet uh, the real, whether it's healthcare needs of, uh, of Ontarians, and the other avenue, of course, too, is is, the, uh, is, is really the groundbreaking uh, uh, transit and transportation uh, proposals that the premier has brought forward, and, and which, thankfully, all uh, all of the parties in the in the minority parliament, uh, I guess, with the exception of the Bloc, uh, agree to supporting. So there's a lot of good things happening. We'll meet our targets. We're going to do it over five years. Uh, uh, we'll do it in a reasonable way. Uh, but I think most Ontarians understand that we have to, at some point in time, start living within our means. But they want us to do it in, in, a, in, in, a, in a reasonable fashion that protects the, the things that are most important to them.
1: You now, interesting. Uh, speaking of health care, I was just talking to the folks at CARP. Yep. And uh, CARP's members are very frustrated. And even though people understand, for instance, that it takes a while to get a long-term care bed on stream the big question is why is all of this taking so long uh the other week i was talking to health minister christine Elliott, and she's telling me about investments in home care and then the next day i hear about cutbacks about you know people who are released uh very quickly after surgery but then can't get home care
2: yeah this is uh this is part of a a transformation that is happening right now in the in the healthcare uh in the healthcare system. Uh, it's the move to, uh, as I'm sure Minister Ali talked to you about, uh, the move to the Ontario Health Team so that we can have uh, 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 a blanket of care for individuals. One of the things that we heard a lot... But
1: it's not happening. You
2: no, know, well, I mean, look, it's not going to happen overnight, 100%. We've been here for a year. A year. The minister has made tremendous uh, uh, progress on this, whether it's on long-term care beds. Uh, you know, we've announced... Uh, I think already uh, a little over eight thousand long-term care beds, which are being built and added to the system, but that takes time to build them. But I think equally important, if not more importantly, is the move to the Ontario health teams. Uh, there are, are, are a number of them which have uh, are proceeding right now as we speak. And but you're but you're not wrong because we do hear this a lot. And, and look, I went through it myself. Uh, you know, with with uh, with a father-in-law who you know broke his shoulder in, in Ajax, but came to live with me in Stovall and the, Wow the, the trying to maneuver yourself around the system from home care from etobicoke or excuse me ajax and transferring it up to stoville was very very difficult and challenging and it's just but the, the care that he got once he once we navigated around it was second to none they worked so hard but what we have to do is make it easier for people to access and make it more available for people because you know we can't have it both ways we want people to be in their homes longer and if we're going to do that, we have to have the, the, the resources in place so that whether it's nurses or PSWs, that they're there to take care of people when they need it. And I, and I think once we move towards the uh, Ontario health teams, we'll, we will be better placed to do that. But we have to do it in such a way... Uh, that allows us to phase it in so that nobody is losing services that they're already getting. So uh, let, it is a challenge Olivia. Let,
1: let me tell you exactly what it was, yep. and I'm working on columns on this. So sure. this is a, a friend of mine and her mother in a different town in St. Catharines. A, a big surgery, fairly big surgery, double mastectomy, released and great care in the hospital, released overnight, but then told, uh well, uh. There used to be a nurse that visits the first time because there are drains to be drained yep. and all kinds of stuff. Sorry, there were cutbacks. That's not available. You have to go to the nurse less than 48 hours after this major surgery. And the same thing, her mother, who is nearly 90 years old, has these weeping wounds yep. Yep. And, and actually is not mobile at all and told, sorry, no, nobody can come to your home to deal with that. You better get there.
2: Yeah, and, and and that is exactly what uh, the minister is working on with respect to these Ontario health teams. Uh, what we want to do is get to a system where, look, if you, from your doctor to if you're going in for a surgery, uh, it's one person. And you know that when you have left the hospital, when you're discharged, you don't have to make a call to get home care. You know who the home care nurse, uh, nurse is, when they're coming, the type of care that they needed. Your doctor has access to those files. And everything is kind of done for you as in in a in a blanket of care because you're you're a hundred percent right. Well, exactly. Exact, but that there, experience just is not. There was a person. Billion, sorry, we shouldn't be there. Right? That's there, not what th- we should be doing. There
1: was a person who came to see her in the hospital to say, "Sorry, this has been cut back."
2: Look, I, I, I'm not going. I don't want to yeah. get into someone's specific yeah. case, but overall, this is what we are trying to uh, to accomplish. i have heard. Uh, 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 in a lot of instances, uh, uh, people who, who who can't make it into the doctor's uh, office uh, to hear results of tests can they do it online? So we're trying to do things like that, just make the system work better for people and make it less cumbersome to navigate around the system. Look, I, you know, I was a, a, a former member of, of Parliament. I thought it would be easy to navigate, but my gosh, it, I found it very challenging to try and find. Uh, home care services for uh, for my father-in-law, and I thought, you know, that's not the way it should be. But, and I think it's government that has put these these types of processes in place that don't work for people who actually need the services, and that's what we're trying to eliminate. It's not the quality of care. Right? I, I can't tell you how impressed I was when the when the, the people came. Um, uh, it was. Second to none. We're hearing that the same thing in long-term care. The, the quality of care is great. Perhaps there needs to be more assistance, uh, but that's what we have to figure out as a government: getting out of the way, making it easier for people to access the system, and making sure that the money that people are investing in healthcare actually uh, works for them. So I'm actually really charged up about the uh, the Ontario health teams. Uh, these are, are, I think, will 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 be a model by which other provinces will we'll, uh, we'll, will will transition to and. Uh, uh, and I, I'm quite excited. I know what I mean, a, a big big benefit to uh, communities like mine where there is a growing seniors population where many more are wanting to stay at home. They want to stay either on their own or with family members. But that's the one stumbling block, ease and access to, to care. So we, we do understand how important that is. Well, I I hope you're right. I hope uh, your friend is doing well. It's, it's, it's,
1: she, she well, There's up and down, you know, it's it's yeah. emotional as well as yeah, uh, yeah. the physical. Um uh before I let you go, what is what is the first piece of legislation you're going to bring forward next week?
2: Well we've got uh we've got God, I I don't have it yet, but uh, there I, I can tell you the general thing is going to be we have a fall economic statement that we have to bring. We have uh uh new animal welfare uh, legislation that will be coming up uh, in the first uh in the first week uh as well. We have um uh uh, a, a treasury board bill, uh, uh, which uh, was put on the no- or notice paper back in uh, in June. So, uh, those are the three uh, three. And then, of course, we have a, a piece of mental health legislation that uh, Minister Elliott has on the order paper too. So, that's what our first uh, uh, first couple of weeks will be focused uh, will be focused on.
1: Okay, uh, Paul Calandra, thank you so much for being with us.
2: Thanks for taking the time, Libby. I appreciate it.
1: Okay. Bye bye. All right. Uh, Right now, I am going to bring in MPP Sarah Singh, who is the deputy leader of the NDP, the opposition, of course. Sarah Singh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on, Libby. Okay, so uh, I don't know if you were listening uh, to the House leader. Uh, He's laid out his priorities, uh, all of those things that uh, we are worried about. He said, well, work in progress. What's your take on that?
3: Well, you know, I caught the sort of tail end of things um, from Mr. Calandra, and I think uh, you know the conversation around home care and and long term uh, care is is an important one. Um, you know, I'm really sorry to hear that he was having challenges in finding services for his uh, father in law, and I'm really sorry to hear about the situation you shared as well Libby but these stories aren't uh, you know uncommon uh, these are the stories we hear every single day about Ontarians trying to access healthcare services here in the province whether that's an aging person or whether that's somebody here in Brampton uh, waiting at our hospital um, you know the services are simply uh, not there when people need them and I don't know um, you know with no disrespect to our new house leader but I don't know if uh, the cuts healthcare are going to help us solve the problem. Um, you know, he spoke a lot about modernizing the, the services and, and making things more accessible. Well, in order to do that, I think we need to be investing in the healthcare system, well, not he said cutting those services.
1: Well, he, he was talking about investing and they actually are spending more money, perhaps not as much more as many people would like, but they're spending right. more money than was spent in the last government.
3: But I think, Libby, when we look at, you know, sort of the inflation rate in healthcare and what this government is actually investing, I think it really does amount to cuts at the end of the day uh, for services. Um, you know, again, if there aren't going to be a nurses or PSWs to deploy when we need them, uh, that isn't going to help make the system uh, more equitable or more accessible for folks when they're in need, frankly. Um, so I understand that the government is using the rhetoric of investment, but in real dollars and real Real terms, those are those are cuts to those services.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, he was talking about how excited he is about those new Ontario health teams. What's your take on that?
3: Well, I think we all can acknowledge that there's a need to create better integration in the healthcare system. Um, so, uh, you know, we're hopeful that um, that is the path that we're headed towards. I think there's a lot of concern around the process. Uh, I think for a number of people, they're concerned that perhaps. Um, this may lead to greater privatization in healthcare care services. I mean, when we talk about home care, um, you know, this is a, now a private service that uh, folks are not able to access. Um, so th- th- there's those types of concerns. I think that, uh, you know, again, we're hopeful and optimistic um, that there will be better integration in, in the system. Um, but I think that, uh, again, we need to ensure that the right people are at the table, community is at the table to, to share what they need, um, and that, People are being consulted with, frankly, uh, with what they'd like to see changed in their health care system.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, hang on a second. I want to take a call from Helen in Toronto. Hi, Helen.
3: <laughs> Hi, Libby. Uh, you were talking about somebody who had a double mastectomy and was kept overnight in the hospital and then didn't have many services after. My friend in Lindsay had a double mastectomy. It was a drive-through. She came in in the morning. They sent her home. In the afternoon, they didn't ask whether she had any help at home or had applied for any help. She had two dogs. We're just very lucky that we have a mutual friend in Lindsay who took her in.
1: Wow, because in, in my friend's case, uh, they did. I mean, they sent somebody from CCAC uh, who basically said, tough luck. There have been cuts. You're not going to get a nurse at home. Even. Well,
3: they, she didn't get that either. Eventually, somebody came in to wash her hair.
1: Uh, yeah, that's that's home care, but yeah, this is a big. Uh, this is, I mean, imagine this is a big they don't even ask. Yeah, well, that, and they should have. I mean, that that I'm not sure that that's the result of some government cutback because mm. they are supposed to.
3: Well, this was several years ago. Thank oh. God, she's
1: been cancer-free well, for over five years. Well, oh, okay. Well, then, uh, then it happened under the last government, and they should have asked. That's that's their brief. I
3: mean, you know, I mean, something like that. You, you you can walk in the front door and drop dead. Nobody's going to know,
1: well, except um, the dog. Um, uh, I I don't even know what to say to that. But Helen, thanks for sharing. Okay, take care. Okay, bye. Bye. Yeah, I mean, and, and um, Sarah, in in terms of having those services for you know, one of the things. That that really makes me wonder. So this a lack of having a nurse come to deal with something early on is one thing for my friend. But it, the same thing happened to her mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, her mother is not mobile, is mm-hmm. nearly 90 years old. And luckily had someone who could take her, but I'm thinking, you know, with all this uh, gridlock and backlog of uh, alternative level of care that, you know, there are probably a lot of older people, and if they don't have someone who can take them to the nurse instead of having the nurse come to their home, they might just be staying in the hospital.
3: No, absolutely. I want to pick up on a point, uh, you know, thank you so much to Helen for calling in. You know, I think that we need to acknowledge that. These problems are not new problems. Um, you're absolutely right to say that this isn't just the result of of what the conservative government has done. These problems were created under the previous liberal administration as well. Um, and so, what we're seeing now is is this sort of crisis compounding. Um, you know, when we talk about you know the need to have uh, services and alternative levels of care available to folks, um, you know, cuts have been happening over the course of a number of years to the healthcare sector, and this is what the result of that looks like. Um, you know, when we think about, uh, you know, the aging population, as, as you've discussed, Libby, um, you know, and this is kind of that booming demographic right now that's that's facing uh, sort of that crisis in terms of accessing the right support. Um, you know, they, they need to make sure that there there is a, an ability to age in our home, age in our communities, um, you know, making sure that there are nurses and, and PSWs that are able to be deployed, but also making sure that we're protecting those workers that are going out there. I think, um, you know, when we look at a, a PSW earning $14 an hour, um, you know, it really isn't uh, feasible for them, uh, you know, and, and they are also worn out. So how do we create again a system that's going to serve, you know, the patient, but also protect those workers? Well, there,
1: there's, there's a reason why there's a shortage of them because they, Absolutely.
3: they are poorly paid and they they have difficult working conditions. Very difficult working conditions. And there's no protections in place for them, um, you know, if they're injured at work and um, we hear from a number of those, uh, you know, support workers um, who are trying to, uh, you know, address the real problem in our communities um, but uh, because of the working conditions that they face, uh, the unsafe environments in some instances, um, you know, it, it's a very difficult profession for them to be in. A rewarding one, obviously for many, um, but for so many others, uh, you know, I think this is why legislation is needed to mandate, you know, the levels of care that we're providing, how it's supposed to be provided, that not only ensure, again, that the patient is receiving the right levels of care, but that those workers are protected and that they're able to do their jobs uh, in a way that keeps them healthy and able to provide that care uh, in in a long-term and sustainable way as well. So um, what
1: are your priorities as the opposition as you head into a new session tomorrow?
3: So I think for us, you know, the priorities are fighting for those things that uh, Ontarians across this province have been asking for. Um, you know, healthcare services is obviously top of mind uh, for everyone. I know that uh, the House Leader mentioned that there's a uh, the potential uh, mental health legislation that they'll be bringing forward. So uh, looking forward to uh, seeing what that is, um, but again, making sure that it's going to address some of the root causes that we have in our communities. So healthcare is is top of mind. I think for us, um, you know, the the uh, autism file is still one that is a a huge priority i think we've had families for the last five months while doug ford has been um you know not sure where but uh, wherever the premier has been uh you know these families have still been waiting while the legislature uh was in pause um so, looking forward to getting back and, and trying to figure out what is going on with that file. What are the priorities of the government, and, and when can those families start to expect to see their their services and dollars flow? Um, I think another big priority for us um, is is the education file um, across the board. Um, you know, as, as I'm sure we're well aware, there have been significant cuts to education, with over 10,000 students, uh, teachers, sorry, losing their their jobs over the next uh, four years. Uh, so, I think you know fighting for um, public education, ensuring that those jobs are, are protected, that students are getting the quality of education that they deserve, both at the elementary... But my understanding you know, is that a lot of that is attrition. And, and I don't know if that's necessarily true. Um, but again, I think at the end of the day, you know, the financial accountability officer of the legislature, this is an independent officer that is stating that this many jobs will be lost. Um, so these aren't, you know, our numbers uh, from the NDP or, or the conservative numbers that uh, these are from the uh, financial accountability office. But I think irrespective of whether, you know, five teachers are losing their jobs or ten, there's an impact, there has been an impact, uh, to education here in the province. Um, you know, we hear from students time and time again that they're, crammed into classrooms, Um, many high school students forced to take bears because the electives that they need or required courses that they need are not available. Um, So, you know, those are questions that we need to be asking of this government. I don't understand how we're going to modernize the education system, ensure that students have a world-class education if we're cutting courses and cutting teachers from the classroom. That just doesn't make any sense. So that's definitely a major priority for us um, as we head back into the legislature. And there are obviously a number of other issues that have been uh, sort of brewing. um, But I think we're excited to get back to work um, at the end of the day, uh, and fight for, you know, the things that matter if you're in Ontario.
1: Okay, and uh, we're all looking forward to seeing you all get back to work. Sarah Singh, thank you so much for being with us.
3: Thank you, Libby. I really appreciate the opportunity. Have a great day.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.